0: Open Mic is a podcast brought to you by Bethel Express of America.
1: All right. Now, I usually have as a hostess, but the Moses, as she calls herself, my beautiful wife Julia. But today we have somebody in the studio. And not only is he in the building, he's in the booth. And he is Andrew, the hero, Small H went. Now, you I gotta get some, I gotta give you some real quick history about that. Uh, and we're going to talk about this, I, I imagine, before this is done. I also do a, a, a gospel jazz, a gospel smooth jazz uh, broadcast, and it's called Jazz with a Cause. And our cause is the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, um, as w- w- we started with someone else helping out, and then that person could no longer be the producer and engineer. And then along came Andrew, and it, it, and let me tell you, he came at the right time because people were talking about Mike, You can learn how to do this independently. This is how you do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's too much weed going on in this country, and now you're smoking it too. Talking to me about me doing this, me no tinks, so, old boy. But anyway, um, so I call him the hero, and he says, and so he said, he says, okay, hero, but not the, not 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 in capitals. So, so I so I started to say hero, small h went. And so, oh, uh, so if it, the, honestly y'all, um if there's anybody that really knows me at this point without spending a whole lot of time with me, it would be Andrew. And um he has wisdom beyond his years, he has insight beyond his years, and he's he's I mean, he is of age to be my grandson. I mean, he actually <laughs> could be my he could le- legally, legitimately and biologically, well, slow down, Mike. Because of my age, he could legitimately be my grandson. Uh, but we talk as if he grew up with me, which I've always appreciated. And man of good convictions and all that good, good-hearted brother. I mean, he, he's a hero in a whole lot of ways. But he saved my life by coming in and being an engineer and producer. So thanks a lot, man. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I I actually think I remember the small H came from your your sister, Queet. Uh, <gasps> that's right? right. Or someone was was it her? Yes. Yeah. Wow, you. She wanted. He to, remembered that because <laughs> you said that. She's like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. Wow, Que He just gave you props, and I forgot, girl. If Gotta you're listening, the credit. I know you are. That's Gotta right. Get
0: the credit. It was a cool um, uh, ritual we had every every show when we said yeah. at the beginning. And yeah, I really enjoyed that doing that radio show because you had a yeah. lot of cool phrases. Uh, you'd take them from the <laughs> treasure, or take them from the trash, make them a treasure. That's you know? right. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I didn't check because I had to or that that, yeah. that phrase this morning
1: I checked not because I had to but because I was glad to yeah Jesus yeah. Christ on the throne nobody nobody's bad taking nobody's down
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love that that was that was really cool and I think what I want to get out of this episode is when we were doing the radio show and if you have ever seen a radio show you have downtime in between yeah. uh, commercial breaks or when the songs are playing um and then you just, what do you do? You just sit there? You, know? <laughs> you watch TV shows like The Voice. They have commercial breaks. They they don't yeah. just sit there. They talk to each other. Right, right? yeah. You know? um, and Mike and I developed that relationship in between episodes or in between yeah. songs. Mm-hmm. We would just talk about stuff. Some some stuff uh, was light and fun. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the episodes actually came out of those talks. I yeah. took... Uh, memories and thoughts that mike would share and i put them into these scripts that were that we're using for some of these episodes um but it was really great sometimes we would get into um you know the heavier stuff uh, yeah race um Mm -hmm. uh, like all the all the big issues in our city that that are happening we just talk about it very candidly yeah and it came around i think i think we did that for like two years Mm -hmm. and i think you know i don't know whose idea it was i'm not going to take credit Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just here producing it, but I'm not gonna take credit. Uh but um I remember we we said, what if it what if we took these conversations that we are having on the mm-hmm. air and turned it into you know into a podcast? Uh, I, oh yeah, oh
1: yeah. Now now I don't know where you headed. Oh yeah, all of this is your fault.
0: <laughs> yeah, this
1: was your idea. <laughs> I'll give
0: I'll give a shout out to Greg Skolaski too. Yes, uh, yes, because he
1: helped make it a reality. And yes. Tone
0: studios yes. and um Actually, the person that came up with the title wasn't us, it was right. someone else, right? Yeah,
1: uh, Daniel Giles, and he grew up in my youth group. Good man, I love him tremendously.
0: So, it was a, it was a God thing, all, the, yeah, all these different oh, no pieces doubt about you know, it. coming together to make, to make this happen, and I really enjoy it. Um, so, you know, you, you have that phrase for me, but for from my perspective... I kind of want to say it back to you, because mm-hmm. not only are you in the building uh-huh. <laughs> and the booth, Michael Peace, uh-huh. <laughs> um, it was really exciting just to to do that with you, to work with you in that. And so, I, let's talk about, you know, these next four episodes, we're really going to dive into more of your music career. Yeah. So, let's talk about the, the music career. Um, we talked about it, I think, in one of our episodes already, but kind of tell us, you know, where you began. When, when was the first time... You started to to actually start rapping.
1: Yeah, well, um, I started rapping after, uh, well, and I, I can say this really fast. I just heard a message uh, from um, the youth pastor. I was already a college graduate, but I was at the church, and they put all of us young people together. And he said, God has a unique way he wants you, in which he wants to use everyone. We need to see God for that. You know that gifts, and so I did, and I thought I was just going to put together a band because I'm a drummer. Put together, you know, a, a funk band or an R&B band, jazz band. We just put the gospel message to to that kind of style of music. I went home, I prayed, got off of my knees, and I started writing down rhymes. And I'm like, oh snap, I don't even like poetry, you know. <laughs> and then I said, Lord, if that's you, you inspire me to write another one. And I, He did, and I said, okay, Lord, if this is really you, you give me. One more, and you give me favor with the leadership at our church. And there was a church out in the, basically at that time, in a rural area. And I won't forget when they heard me doing it with the young people, they were like, they called me into a small area in the church. And they said, Mike, we don't understand what it is that you're doing, but we want you to know that we recognize God all in it. And that was the beginning for me with the hip hop. And then I just started to, because nobody, there was nobody yet, even, even Stephen Wiley yet in the industry recording. And so I was just being invited to go different places. And so that's how that all unfolded. And then I people started asking me for a cassette. And, uh, <laughs> and so I went into my friend's studio and I recorded, but I had no idea what it really meant to record until I went down to Nashville into a real studio. And it's like, Mike, you're going to have to run that line back again because that didn't come out clear. And I'm like, <laughs> um, what are you talking about? That is clear, yeah. Mike. Trust me, it's not clear. And And that's when I learned what it really meant to be in the studio you know, and so,, uh, so that was my first experience of being in a real studio in a real recording booth,
0: so you talk about your first time at your friend's house that was. Like a what a four track machine? Yeah, that's
1: exactly what it was. A
0: task. Oh oh, hey, Yeah, you know. Was that a? What was that a Porta Studio? Was it Was like a smaller? Yes, it was.
1: Yeah, my dad had one of those. Oh yeah! Wow. <laughs> well, wow. I mean, you talk about a dinosaur. That's yeah. a dinosaur bone. Do
0: it still kicking though? Yeah, they man, still they still the work. Job done. They do good work. Um, okay, so that was your first like home recording, and then and then you mentioned going down to Nashville. Was mm-hmm. that? At that point, were you signed or was this your first album on reunion?
1: Yes. What they did was Jeff Mosley, shout out to Jeff Mosley, AR man, artist repertoire, uh uh representative from reunion records. He he came looking for me through another friend of ours, Dan Hickling, who's who really started all of this for me. And um uh uh I went down and they gave me what was called a 30-day, 90-day, one-year, two-year, three-year, four-year contract. What that meant was we, I would go down and I signed a contract. And for, if they still wanted to work with me after thirty days, then I was committed to 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 be with them for th- for for ninety days, in which time they were going to have me go into the studio and record an album. So the first one we, I went down and did one song, "Rock It Right," um, and they were like, "Mike, this is going to work, this is going to happen." And then three months within a three month period. You know, ninety days I did my full out you know, full album and they liked it so much and it started to make so much noise that they say, Okay, Mike, we're gonna do a one year commitment and then at the end of that year if they still wanted to, they would I'm bound to it. And so I did a second album. And then at the end of that one, I did a third album. And at the end of that one I did a fourth album. I did four albums with Reunion Records.
0: Was that scary having a contract like that? Was there like
1: Oh man. Or- yeah. <laughs> the, the main reason was because they were putting out all the money. And, you know, and so you, you say to yourself, man, you know, like at any given moment they can say this is over. You know? Um, and even if even if they did that, they still would have lost their money. Even if they released me, it's still their money. So I felt, you know, so yeah, it was definitely scary, but they they were very happy. Let's just put it that way, you know, and no disrespect to them, they did not lose any money. <laughs> <laughs> I did not gain as much, but they did not lose any money. I think I was more concerned about that than I was about me getting getting paid for it
0: let's start with the the first album what was what was that one called rock it right rock if you look
1: at this is a you know rocket right
0: how is how do you spell that is that
1: r-r-r-r-r-o-i-r-o-r-r-r-r-o-c-k-i-t-r-i-g-h-t right yeah yeah you got and you gotta
0: ride the wall behind you oh yeah yeah so that was your first album who what was that experience like so you talk about like uh, do another take. Do not like the, the, you, were oh, getting, you were getting. You uh, were getting kind of a taste of like what a producer artist relationship was. Like. It, it
1: was. It was enough to make me not want to do it. Yeah. Okay. Because I was, you know, and I mean, I get, you know, I understood, but it was just like, man, I said that lyric right. I said it the right way. That's how I wanted to sound, and like, Mike, it's not sounding like you think it sounds. And we would listen to it. I'm like. But yeah, that's what that's what it's, yeah, I like it though. They're like, but Mike, you're not the one that's going to be listening to this. It's everyone else, mm. you know? And so, you know, I, I had to come to terms with that. And, and I was cool with that too. You know, you just learn that as an artist. Um, Tom Hemby was the producer of my first two albums. And he did a really good job of encouraging me to just, you know, Mike, this is going to be good. Just trust me on this one. It's going to be good. You know, Jeff Mosley came by the studio to encourage me too and say, come on. Like, you could do this, man, so. You
0: know, before he went into the studio, I know as someone who produces music, it's important to have a little bit of rapport with your artist. Yes. Was there any, like, sit-downs and conversations outside of just, like, a business lunch that you had with with Tom? Sort of. Because
1: I was in Rochester, and everybody else was down in um, uh, Nashville. So I would have to come down and we'd get together for a day or two and we would just talk a little bit but the music had already been produced so i would have to tailor my lyrics to the music and how it was produced so that put a little bit of a strain on me but you know i mean nobody knew it but me but so yeah but but tom was good tom was a really good producer and um he captured what needed to be done at that particular time even if it was a little bit different for me he captured what needed to be done at that time for people he made it palatable enough for people to um be open to receiving christian christian rap that's awesome. music yeah and
0: that's that's what your yeah that was your mission yeah that was, yeah exactly um okay so let's take a let's take a broad broad look at the career now so we have your first album we're going to talk about a later album but i won't mm-hmm. give that away <laughs> where and when and how we'll mm-hmm. leave that for the for the next episode um but what was if you had to choose an album out of all of them what was your favorite that you that you were a part of? My favorite
1: was Loud and Clear, which was a live album. Many people have challenged this, and I could care less, but many, because <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but people, it, it was actually considered uh, the first um, full-length live, uh, live rap album, period. Full-length. And there's some rappers that did some songs live, but it was the first full-length live album um, in, in, in hip-hop. And... Um, uh, that wasn't, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking along that line because I had heard some of the live stuff from other rappers, but people were like, Mike, yeah, but that's only two cuts. You did a you did a, a live concert from start to finish live. Yeah. And so the reason why that meant so much to me is because um, the saying was, the reason why a lot of rappers did not do a live album was because they were concerned that they would, you know, slip up their lyrics or whatever the case may be. Never crossed my mind, you know, but, but uh, so... That was the quote unquote. That was the real Michael piece because there was no. It wasn't. It wasn't about Mike. You didn't say that right, Mike. You got to break this out, Mike. You got to. It's like, hey, look. This is this is this is how I speak. This is how I sound. And here you go.
0: Wow. I'm actually honestly I'm surprised um, by that. That that would be the first one of hip hop already being around because hip hop is all about freestyle mm-hmm. in the moment. Yeah. Like, Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of hip hop got started that way where it was yeah. it was kind of a live experience for people. Yeah. So I'm surprised that 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 didn't happen sooner, Well, but I
1: it... I saw something on um on the uh the Yes network, you know, the Yankees entertainment uh, uh network and they were doing an an interview with Jay-Z. And Jay-Z, they said and he said it with his own mouth that he has a prompter on stage, hmm. you know, with his lyrics. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he said that sometimes he would forget his lyrics. You know, well, back in 1990 when I did this album, there was no such thing as a prompter, yeah, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Let alone if I would refer to one or if they would have even have provided one for me. Right. And so, yeah, I get it, you know. But I'm like you. Yeah, like, really? You know, but it was really true, though, that first full-length album of of hip-hop it just happened to be full of Jesus.
0: So t- tell me about what like how did that how did you guys create that album was it one oh. take was there t- multiple locations oh how did yes. you, how'd you do it
1: what i did was um at this point Des Dickerson uh 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 produced that album as well and that was my fourth album and so it was music from all of my previous albums but definitely from an album that i you know had done with him before and with that I told him the concepts and everything, what I wanted to do, and he made it a reality musically. But it was, you know, it was it was recorded, you know, soundtrack wise, and it was just the tape would just roll, you know, like there would be no stops. Wow. I would have to be ready, <laughs> like if I if I'm talking in between the songs and the music started to play, I had to just start, you know. So I had to be real aware of time. And so if there's like a twenty minute, you know, space in between one song to the next. I, and I'm talking. I better be ready because that track was just going to kick in.
0: That's crazy. You know? Yeah, I
1: know. I mean, people looking back now, I'm like you did that. I'm like, yeah, I can't believe I did it either. You know. So, but he did the production of that, and uh, you know, I just I had been I had I had just done a tour in 1989. So those most of those songs that I did, I did every night. For yeah. a thirty-six city tour. So that was my rehearsal. Those were my practices. Right. So by that time, I better be yeah. on point with it. So <laughs> so that's how that worked. Did I answer your question? No. I did not answer no, your no, question. Oh, sorry. Oh, did I thought I answer, you said did you ask me a question? No, did I answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay, yeah.
0: Um so so that's cool. For you for all of you uh new producers out there who are using ableton ableton is like the now way yeah. to to do a full concert it has cues and all these fancy things he just to explain to you mike was had none of that right no one in his ear telling him what to do right he just had to hear the music and then start that's that's wild yeah yeah <laughs> and if you don't know who Dust dickerson is we're not going to tell you right now. You can Google his name. Maybe mm-hmm. you already know who he is, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about him more in a, yes. in, a, in, a, in a future episode. Yes. So so for that album, I think I remember you saying you recorded it at your church, correct?
1: Uh, oh, oh yeah. The, the, we did it two different nights. We did it at Bethesda for Gospel Church um, in uh, Buffalo, New York. Okay, yeah. And then we did one at Bethel. Well, back then it was called Bethel for Gospel Church, but Bethel Christian Fellowship in the historic sanctuary. So we did two nights because we just wanted to, nobody should ever really do a live recording one time and leave it at that when, you know, you could do, you might have found yourself doing something better, you know, in one place as opposed to the other, crowd reaction, crowd response and stuff like that. So, yeah, so they took it and they just, they took the best of both nights and because the tape was rolling both ways. Nothing was different. It was just the crowd response or maybe I was better at one song than I did at the other. Gotcha. You know, but um, but but the, once again, it was not edited. They just bounced the track from one to the
0: other and put on the master. Did did you do multiple takes or just one take? One
1: take. Whew. That's all it was. One take. Wow,
0: that's incredible. One take.
1: That's incredible.
0: Man. So that would be your favorite album, if if you know who Mike mike is at this point he likes the the in the moment the the raw (laughs) the organic so i I, i'm not surprised that this is your favorite album Mm -hmm. um so that being your favorite album like you know was that your last one is in the 90s yeah
1: uh, yeah that was my last one with reunion records yes is that
0: 91 90 90 90, yes so as your last last album looking back you know on your on some of the things you've done in your career. What, did you have any musical regrets from all those albums that you've done with, Reu- with Reunion? Um,
1: no, well, okay, so I did four with Reunion and then I did two with Star Song after that. And, um, I, I, I wish, see, back in those days. There was so much controversy. Even even after I had already done four albums, there was so much controversy to get other, more rappers involved. And, and I knew rappers that I wanted to get involved. And the company, record companies were like, Mike, you know, we are way out there with just you, you know, without bringing in more people yeah. that you could get, you know, that we could sign. And, you know, and, and I regret, um, you know, that I could not get... Um, Abe Malave, the Latin lyricist, and he was on my second album and on my live album. Oh
0: yeah, you
1: know, and actually he was on my fifth album too, you know. But he did, you know, a song. But you know, I re- regret, I regret, and if regret is the right word, I regret not being able to to have done more with him and for him. But there was nothing that could be done. I did, I did the best that I could. But looking back, you know, you say, well, maybe I should have just said, well, look, if, if I can't have him, then I'm not going to do it. But that wouldn't have been the right way to do things just yeah. to make my point. You right. know?
0: That's so, so, yeah. so you bring up collaboration, which is great because I have, I have one more question for you before we end this episode. If there was one artist you could collaborate with right now, who would it be <laughs> besides who you just mentioned?
1: I'm dating myself, but I really don't care. <laughs> if you don't know who this name is, look him up. Phil Driscoll. Phil Driscoll, I, I Phil Driscoll is a trumpet player who has an anointing, anointing by definition in layman's terms is a deposit from heaven through you for a purpose on earth. He has an anointing like nothing I can describe when he gets on the trumpet. And and Phil is in his 70s and I finally got a chance to meet him. I had seen him Several times, in fact, even at my church, you know, back in those days. But I never got a chance to meet him until uh, I was at a I was at a wedding in Jamaica, and he was a part of. He knew the fa- the couple that was doing their wedding yeah. e- vow renewal, and he was playing. And so, of course, I got a chance to meet him, and um, you know, and I just told him what what he meant to me and the influence of his music on my life. And um, and we were talking, and we were in j- country Jamaica, and I told him, I said, man, I said. You talk, I said you talk about a bucket list. I said I would really like to do something with you. Mm. He said, like, hey man, we can make it work. We can make it work. So I hope we get a chance to make it work. But he he is the the ultimate and the consummate professional. Um, but at the same time, he's very relaxed. And when we were in Jamaica, every morning in the in that we were you know at a re, on a resort at a resort, I could hear him rehearsing. Wow. his his chops. You know, on his trumpet, you know, and he's in his 70s and he was, and his chops were just as clean and clear as when I first heard him 30 plus years ago. Um, and he's just that dedicated to what he's doing. And that kind of dedication, I like being around and I like to be a part of and like to do something with.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I I love hearing that about musicians who have like, you know, have already done a lot. I, I feel like Phil Driscoll at that point oh, yeah. has already done yeah, he's anything, a millionaire. anything you can do, right? Yeah, he's a millionaire. He has his own airplane. <laughs> yeah. And he still he still wants to to um, refine himself and yeah. and go after the best he can be and I think that's a, a good message for any musician yeah. uh-huh. out there yeah. but maybe we can make that happen who knows yeah I, I, I shall think, hope so I, you know I I think the first song I heard was uh, was when he did I exalt thee I mean look that up <laughs> that will melt you <ya.
1: laughs> it sure will yeah it, it, let's put it this way. If you're saved and that song doesn't do something to you, there's something wrong with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, I heard that when I was like 14 and it, it yeah. did something to me. So, um, wow, that's amazing. I think, I, you know, we're going to keep going um, through three more episodes really talking about different albums that you've done Mm -hmm. um different projects different experiences you have we're going to talk about the industry where it is um today for you what you're doing in the industry and we have a lot of amazing stories Mm -hmm. that i'm excited to share and mike's excited to share and julie's excited to to. we're even going to have uh mike mike's son on here Uh to talk about talk about the pieces (laughs) (laughs) bts behind the scenes um but I just want to say thank you for listening uh, to Open Mic. Um, please make sure you subscribe, follow, or whatever you need to do to stay current on our podcast. You can, I know on Spotify, you can follow it. So yeah. it pops up every time. Apple Music, every every spot is different. But uh, make sure that you follow us so you can keep up to date with Mike and Julia and what they're talking about. We hope you stop by next time for Mike and Julia talk about recording at... Prince's studio
1: uh oh come on now that's what I said look up (laughs) (laughs) Doug Dickerson you gotta
0: know that's right you gotta know that's right do your research before you come on come on now (laughs) (laughs) well thanks for listening we hope you have a great day and as Julia says stay safe
1: that's right and I checked this morning not because I had to but because I was glad to Jesus Christ is on the throne and nobody's bound to take him down later